the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Hello, welcome once again. My name is Eamon Baker. Today's interviewee is Nigel Hussey. You will hear Nigel talking about the impact of the conflict in his life. Conflict which sometimes is referred to as the war or the troubles. Before we begin the podcast, I would like to thank once again our funders, the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council and Community Relations Council. I invite you to reflect on the troubles and, and how they were in your life in Derry or London Derry. Right. I start then when I was the manager of the Northern Counties, which was being changed and they service flatlets. Now, I would have started there in the 60s, possibly 64, possibly 63, I'm not sure, of the year. Initially, there wasn't many people come into the flatlets, but then Americans started to come in. And they came in with the families to the base until they got a house. So they were Americans from the from base? From the base, yeah. People American servicemen, the they would have been service, yeah. service personnel. And then, um, one time even, this would have been possibly nearly maybe 66 or 65, there was Americans, civilian Americans coming over day. I think they built a communication base, I think it was around Benin Given or something like that. And these would have all come from the Bronx in New York, round about there. But before they actually came in, a high-ranking Navy man came into the hotel and asked if we have a colour bar. Which was very interesting to me at the time, I wasn't thinking anything about a colour yeah. bar. So that was alright, that people that did come in then were mixed, you know. And they were a great bunch, like we looked after them. The, the, the way they came there really was because they served the, the wee flatness, which it was, was serviced for them. They would get a call in the morning, so they got up for their work, except the things like that. And they, they, were, they were a great crowd. Like, I could hardly walk down the corridor without getting a glass of bourbon. <laughs> <Which was great>. <laughs> <laughs> what age <laughs> were you, Nigel? I would have been then about 25 or 26, I suppose. Maybe even 26. Aye. Yeah, about 25, So you were already a manager of a, a going concern yeah. in the Northern Counties? And we, we also had the Rainbow Cafe down below, which I used to do, which we had a manageress down there, but I would have done the stock for them and done the wages and that sort of thing. How many years well, were you there then in, the, in that role? I would have been there up until about 1969, possibly, yeah. The troubles were already the troubles breaking out. Had already started, yeah. Duke Street Civil Rights know, March. Like, well, the first march was 1968, isn't it? I, <clears throat> I don't remember much about that because nothing seemed to happen then. The first real part of the troubles which kind of started, as far as I can remember, it was either the 12th of July or the 12th of August, I'm not sure. And the procession was going down the Strand Road past Waterloo Square. Mm-hmm. As, as, corner? As, at the corner there, so... I would have been either up in the window or downstairs watching them going past and all of a sudden stones started coming over from the bottom of mm. William Street. And I can remember the Celtics <laughs> jumping about the stones coming. Now what happened then just after that I'm not sure, I don't remember much about that then, but then the troubles really started and I can remember going up William Street when it was burning. And also from our, one of the wonders in the hotel, like, which was our TV room at the time, which was just opposite the bottom of William Street. 
we could watch this going on at night, the riotings and the, and the, the army going, no, not the army then, it would have been the police now then initially. Yeah, the, the army did come <coughs> in in 69. The army did come in in 69. I can remember them coming up Customs House Street, first time they came in. And the B-men were actually lined up at the bottom of William Street, ready to move in. And the army came in and soldiers came in, and the was in charge, just put them away and started to put up barbed wire barricades or something at the bottom of William Street. And that You're was watching the honeymoon period. Up. I was watching all this going on, yeah. So the, the Northern Counties was... Still an hotel, or was it called? No, it was still a service, the service flat that's in. That would have been an hotel beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's a very good hotel at one stage during the late 50s. Because I, I worked in it after school and mm -hmm. the summer holidays as a boots. I remember taking up the first boss at Dupont. <laughs> the first what? The first boss at Dupont. An American came over, I think, and get these kisses up in the room. And I got two bobby a tip, it's two bobbies. By that time I'd met Delma and was going with Delma and she came from Craigan from Neenan Gardens. When did you meet Delma? Around about Craigan? maybe 65 or 66 now, I wouldn't be sure, maybe Delma would remember better than me. But nothing serious, like at that time you were just going out with girls, so nothing serious just happened. But I can remember going up to meet her and stuff and going up to the house and, and collecting her and going out and you were just going through the troubles anyway. So the troubles are now on you? The troubles weren't there initially, then the troubles started. Can I ask you this, Nigel, was there any challenge in, in the sense that you're coming from the Protestant community in the Craigan, uh, Delmas no, family, that, that, was there that, that, a that, welcome that, for you? No, that didn't worry me at all, I had no problem with that. And even going up through the troubles, I had no problem at all. Because I used to go up there, I can remember one night coming down, and maybe it might have been, oh, it was very early in the morning, I don't know why I stayed up there, maybe there was just too much trouble going on. And now this was before the army even moved in, and I can remember walking down Melbourne Avenue and all the police were lying on the footpath. That might have been the Battle of the Box. That was the Battle of the Box, right there. August 69? Yeah, would have been that, could have been 69, yeah. So you're back home in Melbourne Terrace? No, you're no, I lived in the hotel. Oh, oh I lived in the Northern County saying I had a room and all my own. It was great, like, no problems. <laughs> As I said, I was going with Delma and eventually things got serious. So how long so, were you going with her before things got serious? Maybe three or four Were you years. toying with her? Well, we were off and on sometimes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do know. I mean, I'm a man of a certain age, yes. And, um, uh, then we, uh, so I thought uh, we were talking about getting married, I suppose. I thought then, like, normally you're going to have children or something like that in two different religions in this situation. Could have been difficult, so I thought, well, I'll change to be a Catholic. The only, the only problem with this country is that, like, how would you put it? Like, religion and politics are attached, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. So therefore, I knew I was going to hurt my own family from that point of view, from changing my religion. But anyway, I went over, I had a sister living in Nottingham at the time, so I thought, well, I'll go over to Nottingham and get instructions from there, whatever they call it. So I went to Nottingham. So I'm trying to keep on the timeline. This would have been about six, this would have been 69. So... I would have left now, it could have been later on in 69 or not, I'm not sure. That you would have left late, to go to Nottingham? 69 now, yeah. And when you say... I'm 70. You, you, I could you, get mixed up in time, saying I'm here a wee yeah, bit, you know? The, you said that you knew it would hurt your family. Can yeah. you say a wee bit more about that? Well, just by how much I, I don't really know. Uh, I knew that 
But people that make change in the religion and then there's something mm. that happens very much. That's all I can say really. Was, was, there, was there anything said to you by the oh, n- Not in any sort of serious way. I didn't listen anyway. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But like there was no problem with it after the fact. Mm. You know, I used to go over home then and then I would went over as well. Like, and once the actual thing was done, it was all over. Once, uh, Once I got married and changed, that was okay. Like did you, did you okay. change before you got married? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you went over to Nottingham to get this instruction? I was get instruction first, so I was living with my sister and her husband then. I went down, it was a father McGuinness in Nottingham that I went to initially. Which, it's not that I didn't get all mutton, but he was kind of bored. <laughs> That's a pretty succinct word, yeah. He was born. He went so, on to become a bishop. Come on to uh, the But then I had a job and all that. And then just one morning, it just got up and decided to come home. So, so you got the plane, come back over so here. you went over there as a Protestant and you came back as a Catholic? No, no, I wasn't a Catholic then. Oh. <laughs> <I came back laughs> you just had the instruction? Then I thought, well, I was going to live over there on my own. So then I came over with me then and then we moved down to a place called Starbridge outside Birmingham because her sister lived there at the time. So she was there, she stayed with her sister and I had to be flat. Then days we didn't... <laughs> didn't cohabit? Cohabit, mm. if you know what I mean. So I got a job then, I was working on a steel tube company in Hale Zone, which I was getting on very well on it, actually. You had a good role there, didn't you? Uh, uh, it the buyer, were you a buyer? No, no, it was a chaser. <laughs> Production control, really, is what they called it. But what you done was chase stuff out, chase steel tubes out the motor industry, mostly. Then I then got a job in the post office in Starbridge, actually. So you're you're together, but you're not living together. We're together, but we're not living together. And we weren't uh, living together. But then, because of the fact, I think her and her sister was beginning to, well, let's put it this way: the flat got crowded. <laughs> so we decided we moved out and went down to a wee village called West Hagley, which was a lovely wee village. But we still had two separate flats. <laughs> and then I went down for instructions then to a fellow Donovan in Starbridge, who was a great character of a priest. And that's where I got the final instructions there, if you know what I mean, so I became a Catholic then. And did you, in Starbridge? Yeah. So there was a, a ceremony got, that where you... I got baptised in that in Starbridge as well, yeah. Yeah. And the Catholic Church, I suppose, although I'd been baptised before. Yeah. Set and things like that, so... Was that an emotional occasion, or was it uh, a formality for you, or what way was it well, for you? Uh, it was taken seriously, very seriously. By you? Both by, by, by me, yeah. And it was, it was serious. So then, then I thought, well, after a while, I, was, I thought, well, I'm not going to live in England. So I just up and came back home. But, uh, I assume both of you up? No, but I came and I sleep extend was still in the post office and she had, she was looking for a transfer and then she got a transfer over here, you see. But I was over here first and we got married then in 19... 71. In St Mary's and Craigan? In St Mary's and Craigan. And yeah. can I ask you this, and, um, did your family come to that wedding? No, my mother didn't come, but my father came later on. He came to the reception, actually. He landed down the reception. He had a couple of drinks on him, maybe, to <laughs> get there. And I also had another sister that came, my sister Rita. And then that was it. 
Was that painful, Nigel? A bit painful, a bit painful. But I knew all, I knew all these things in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't that it was going to it was going to be a big shock to me at the time. Mm. So like it didn't uh, it didn't affect me that much. I had a good time with me when I was enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you do? And you know what? <laughs> we even got a taxi from there to Dublin to go to to go to Tarmolinas for a honeymoon. I think I borrowed the money up my father. I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah. Mm. So like from and that you got married in St Mary's and yeah. went to run her house for for reception. Yeah. yeah. And then we come back, then I, we lived up in Craigan in Leaning Gardens for a year. That would have been 71 to about 72. That was a time when the troubles were quite mm, quite rough. It was Bloody Sunday. We were on the Bloody Sunday March. Then I was pregnant at the time. And I said, you're not going in that March now you're pregnant. No, but she was adamant. She went, so we both went. And we were at the... I can remember going down William Street, and I don't know if a shop was fired then or not, but we died down behind the wee broken down houses there at William Street. And there was a, a soldier on the roof of the post office, I can remember that. Now, whether anything was fired then or not, I'm not sure. But the boys were battling down the front, which was normal activity anyway at the time, down mm. at the bottom of William Street. like the, mm. So we were hanging about. It was like a, a, a Sunday afternoon kind of style, the way people were just chatting and talking then. So... I said, so there's nothing happening here now. People are maybe going over the speeches. Because I come on, we'll go back up now because after the soldiers moved down here, they clear this place in no time at all. Yeah. I didn't expect them to be moving on the bullets or anything. But by the time we get up to the top of Beachwood, that's when the shooting had started. So we were up in Craigan at the time of Bloody Sunday. I can remember the coffins and all in the chapel. And you were in the chapel? Yeah. And the, that week the coffins were there. Yeah. yeah. How did that affect you? You come back a long time now, you know. Yeah, but I can like, see almost in your face there's a flicker of. The well, the, the things are upsetting. Yeah. So they are, you know, like I, you know, you just felt then that this is going to get worse and worse, and I can remember at the very beginning the trouble thinking somebody's going to get killed here, you know, and that would have been going to be awful. Gradually, just that got worse and worse, and we were living then up in Leaning Gardens for a bit of a year, and it used to be the odd gun battle up. Near enough up there the street and, and coming in and out there were riots all the time, but I was okay. And the the, the was thing pregnant? that did it, pardon? Del was, was pregnant, pregnant so? uh, and then she had Andrea was born in June tenth of June in seventy two. Now she would have been born from Craig and actually she would have been up in Craig then when she was born. One time it was scarier or was fearful of how it suppose was bloody after bloody Sunday, people weren't supposed to go to their work the next day or something like that, but I Decided to go to be work anyway. Where were you like, working then? The I was working at Superfair then. Down. Uh, yeah, I changed jobs then. The, the hotel had well, stopped anyway because all the Americans and all were taken out of the dairy side and put the water side, and the other people from the, the civilian part had gone home by that stage, you know. <laughs> and when I came back again from England, it was maybe in the hotel for only a, a couple of months or something like that. And my sister then. Uh, had come back from England. She was living in England, not the one in Nottingham, but my other sister, and she always worked in the hotels and that. So she was in there then as well. So I had stopped then. I was a going concern from the hotel from that point of view. So you got a job in Superfair? So you Well, it was owned then by Mr. Swain and Mr. Hogg, and there was a couple other directors on it then at that time too. But then eventually, I think a couple of them died. Or, Fold out so there'd have been only Mr. Hogg and 
Mr. Swain, who actually run the, run the supermarket. Yeah, and they and appointed you as the manager of as the, a manager then of the off places. Off places. Mm-hmm. This is and this would, have been, born. this would have been this would have been about seventy two. Now later on, maybe seventy two. I'm not just sure exactly. I was on the dole for about a, a month, and I thought, well, deepers, if I don't get a, a job here, I'll have to go back to England, <laughs> which I was thinking seriously of at the time. So then I was not that uh, in Superfair, and at that time. Yeah, things were rough enough. We, it's super fair, for instance, got a lot of bomb scares and a good few bombs. I would say it would have been the most bomb supermarket in the country, to tell you the truth, because of the fact that it was built by a Canadian style. We kind of, like, I don't know what, the, it's not steel, but some sort of sheets of, I don't know what, it's aluminium or stun steel or whatever. So what you done then when you had a bomb, you took out the bad bits and pulled it on you bits again, and it was okay. The first one that really affected the off license was a £200 bomb outside. One morning, I was waiting at the bus stop. Then there'd be Frank Long's at the car at the time, and I carried my books in that home just in case anything happened. And two women passed me and said, You were bombed last night. I said, Not at all, I would have heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> but when I landed down there, the shop was out the front streets. <laughs> I would have heard about it. <laughs> but then we were open again the next day at lunchtime. Mm. Just put on new shelving and uh, it'll tell it still worth even <laughs> after it was blown against the wall. And uh, so, so. and you no hesitation about resuming the job? You, oh, no, you no. Getting, oh, getting it no, up and running no, again? You could, no, you just took what you just living. That was your life. Like You just got on with it. As I say, we had, we had a few bad times there. I can remember the two young fellas that... Um, we're carrying a bomb in and the bomb blew up prematurely just at the door of the supermarket. The off-license was further up at the end because it wasn't allowed to be in the supermarket in the end days. And I would have been first down to it actually and the young fella's head was across the street. His head was blown clean off him and the other, the other boy was stripped naked in the footpath. And then at that time some of the butchers came out and put, the, put his white coat over the fella and stuff like that. And then the army and that came. So one of these soldiers got out looked as sick as a pig, <laughs> right now out the back. Yeah. You know, that for me, as I listen to that, that sounds like mm. a horrific thing to witness. It was. It was horrific enough. Now, bombs are terrifying things. Yeah. Like, you hear the ground shakes and, and the noise, and they are terrifying, you know, although you kind of get used to it, because I, by that time I was living then up in Eden Mount Park, we had moved out, we got a house in Eden Mount Park, and I used to take my daughter down anyway at that stage in time, in the arms down the town on Wednesday, it seemed to be bombing day to me, because there was always bombs down the town on Wednesday. <laughs> so, yeah. so but even before that, now, the other experience of a bomb was when I was in the Northern Counties, and one Sunday I was going, and by this time all up, most of the people had moved out. Mm. The Americans were all taken out of the dairy side and put over the water side, or else there were something like that. Anyway, I don't know what the, uh, the entrance was. And I was sitting up on the second floor, was where the office was. What, when when would this be now? This is this would have been before Superfair? I'm not sure. Oh, it would have been before Superfair, yeah. Mm. Now, that might have been whenever I came back from England, mm. and it, or else it was just before, maybe in 69, before I would have left. I don't remember don't exactly. I think there would have been bombs. No, I think, it, I think it would have been after that, so it would have been about maybe 71 sometime, it must have been. I just don't remember the time. Yeah. 
And uh, so you're I, in the, you're I was upstairs in the northern counties. Northern counties, and the front door that was locked. Nobody was about, and I was just doing some paperwork or catching up or something. And I heard this bang going off, so <laughs> I was getting close enough. So I ran down the stairs, opened the front door, and was going over because I was sure it was Foy Street with a bomb and all. But just as I got the guilt hall, our street was blowing up. There was a car bomb in the street, and just blew the street. That's part of it. The car actually landed up in the walls. So it was dead jammy there. I was lucky. Mm. Because You're talking a matter of seconds? Seconds, it would have been seconds. Mm. Yeah. Because I would have been running up, you know what I mean? I was fucked then. <laughs> and that would have been seconds. So I do, I my guardian angel looks after me very well. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe. Yeah. Mm. Did that affect you? you know? No, not really. It just started to clear up. You haven't time, you don't have time at the time because you've got to get the stuff all going back again. So we all got out sweeping up the street and getting the place back in order for Monday, I suppose. There's something in you that, that suggests to me, Nigel, some kind of energy or determination or I resilience. I don't think so, no more than anybody else. I would think everybody in that stage and time worked just, they went for their work and they. They had get on with things. Got on with things. Just as simple as that. But as I listen, I said, mm. listen, now there's there's two, if you like, near misses. There's the one at Superfair where two young men <laughs> are killed, one's decapitated, mm. and then this one, which sounds as if it was earlier. Well, at a nearer one than that later on. Because one, one Saturday afternoon when I was working in the shop, uh, we were getting robbed then, the professionals. But I came in with a revolver and, do, 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 and everybody just stood still and so he started to rob the till. But at the same time, there was somebody dressed, there was another boy dressed up in a St. Collins blazer and had a wee briefcase. And he left this briefcase on the bottom shelf. I can remember as clear as today. And he put four bottles, four bottles of Jameson were on the top of it. Because they must have been sitting on the bottom shelf. So then after they robbed, the way they went and there's standing around having a smoke and the manager there in the supermarket Mr. Fagan he came in and we were just standing talking and then I remembered about the briefcase so I left it off the four bottles of Jameson he left it the briefcase and took it out onto the green but we got no warning he must have forgot to give us a warning so I thought well nothing happened and five minutes later the bloody thing blew up <laughs> fucking legs went like jelly <laughs> yeah. you know. and I laugh and you laugh yeah. and, yes. and yet a wee bit of my legs are going like jelly as you tell this story. Yeah, you know, and that, that, that then blew up the shop again. Um, Many times was, the shop was robbed and well, bombed. Well, there were actually, there was more bombs in the Exxon supermarket than there would have been in the off license, I think, altogether. I'm not just sure of the figure now, but they must have had about 10 bombs. In, this, in, super in the superfair itself. And the off well over 100 bomb scares. And the off license would have been robbed. The off license was robbed maybe about half a dozen times. I'm not sure, a couple of times it might have been cowboys, to tell you the truth. Hmm. Did you tell me one time that someone came in there and put a gun to your head? Yeah. Well, this was again another robbery. It was on a Friday night, um, which was our late night. And uh, three or four boys came in and they were robbing us. We had two tells going at that time, so they just pushed the customers back and... Robbed the tell Were they masked? No, I don't even know if they were masks. I wouldn't have known them anyway. To tell you the truth, I'm not sure. Really. They might have had some sort of public clavis on a couple of them, but I don't know if they all were. There might have been about four people there. Now, I'm not all sure. with guns? 
I know I don't know if they all had guns, but one had anyway. And they, they were looking for more money. And I said, we have no more like we shift our money. We're not that stupid. You know, but Would then, you say it just like that? We shift I? our money, we're uh, not that uh, stupid? Uh, <laughs> more or less, I think so. So then he put me down my knees and pulled out the magazine, the gun, shoved it back in and stuck it onto my head. And he said, you've got more money. He said, no, we haven't. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. There's no more money here. So then he must have just went away. I didn't think I was going to get shot, you know. But I looked at the counter and my daughter and my son was down doing the shopping. And my wee daughter, this is my youngest girl, she was always wanting to run to the toilet. So she must have been running back up to come into her and the off places to go to the toilet. And the first thing I seen was looking up and there was her wee fist looking over the counter. And then she runs back to Peter and says she must all excitement. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But like I didn't think I was going to get shot. I just got up again and started work. We started customers to serve. Oh, the more I hear you, Nigel, the... And you just got on and got out and served up. I think I had a good glass of whiskey whenever I got home, possibly. What's your favourite whiskey? Oh, I don't have no favourites. Any king? Irish, mostly, but I wouldn't be that particular at the time. <laughs> so I wouldn't have been... And you would come back and tell Delma that, would she... Would Delma, I'd imagine... No, well, it's, Delma was having her problems too, living in the, down, working in the post office. Like, there was always... Carry on going down there with bombs, and she said they run out of the post office past the bomb at one stage in time. They get down. She was in the GPO, was she? She was in the GPO, yeah. yeah. So, like, when you, that, that was just that, we, we were getting on with your life, you had children to bring up, and you wages to be earned, and wages look to be earned, and life to love. Yeah. yeah. So, you had. But that stage, any uh, Amy Thelma's mother was lo- was loving with us down here. Now we are, because she left her house up in Craigan because she was on her own then. At that stage, and it wasn't fair for you know. But I used to even run up at the one stage in time, run up and check her house every now and then. You know, a couple of times at night. I remember being in a hurry one night because it was going out and I jumped the top step, stop, <laughs> busted my rubs. <laughs> I no, I never had any problems up there now. But like we had a few, and again, what years or what time this would have been, I can remember this must have been before we moved out of Craig and we were going down to work one morning and we were just passing at the top, of the, there was a, a checkpoint, just at the an army top checkpoint, of the or no, not an army checkpoint, a checkpoint. checkpoint at the top of the pensioners there and this red car came down. Is you that know, at, uh, near Beachwood? Down that yes, just the top of Beachwood, yeah. more or less, but over... You know where the big pensioners bungalows are, you come up behind from mm, Beach. I think so, the curve. Yeah, the camera doesn't curved up there that way. Yeah, you know, the chemist, the yeah. 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 And uh, this red car was coming down nice and slow, and the boy just moved out to stop it, and they put the boot down and flying past. But just been flying past, we were at the corner, and another car behind them, the boy jumped out with a gun <laughs> and leaned over, ready to shoot. I don't know if he shot or not, but the boy was away like a shot. So he must have been an uh, undercover boy or something like that. Next week on the Hollywell Testimony Series. James King, who people may not be aware, comes from the Protestant community, comes originally from Larne. Eamon O'Donnell, Republican, former prisoner, but who is most known in this city for his wonderful, crazy, anarchic street theatres and community drama. And I remember this young girl was from past, and we were just starting off, we just making noises, because we didn't know where it was going to go. And she went past, and she danced past, and she went, we were, we were rocky. And see that moment, I said, there's something here. Another woman came by and said, you'll never be bored. And so we that was that, our text. That was our phrase. We used that then. <laughs>
Missed an episode? Then why don't you search for all our podcasts on our SoundCloud.com page. Just search for Hollywell Trust. Or on Apple Podcasts, search for Hollywell Trust. Did you ever consider you're rearing a family in the middle of civic strife? People are being killed, there's bombs. Did you ever think of going back to Sturbridge or not? No, 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 no. I actually thought I preferred to be at home when I was in trouble. You see, when you're away, you almost worried more about it. But I preferred to be home. Like, I still make country, you know what I mean? This is where I want to live, and mm. this is where I should have been, I suppose. What do, would you consider yourself, and this is, I know it's a leading question, Irish or British? Or oh, I would consider myself Irish now. I maybe would be brought up possibly British, like, uh, I would consider myself Irish now. That's, I suppose, the way you can look at it. Like, if you talk about the plantation, that, that was 1600 or something, like, that's been nearly 400 years. Hmm. You think, Were you involved you in a plantation, Nigel? <laughs> you, 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 you would think they could see that they're Irish now, wouldn't you? Yeah. But no, you're not nothing against them or anything like that. Like yeah. I would have no animosity. Like I, like I, I do believe in the Irish flag, which is green, white, and orange. Yeah. Which is green yeah. and the orange. The green and the orange. For, uh, that being brought together by peace. Brought yeah. together, yeah, very did, much so. Did your family? Over the years, as you as you reared your children, was there a, a softening? Uh, oh, God, yes, very quickly too, like oh. very very quickly. Yes, there was. Sure, whenever the baby was born, and we were still even up in Craig, and we would be going over to my mom, over to my mother's on a Sunday with the baby in the pram and stuff like that, which right. would have been in three. When you so say with soft. the pram, do you, are, you, are you implying that you would walk for? Oh, yeah, you would walk. Walk from well, now I'm not sure if we were eating Mount Park then or up in Craigham, but then uh, you would walk. Yeah, you'd walk over the bridge. He's done a lot of walking, and then they see we're used to no buses. And very quickly, you and you would have a big problem them days, and we see wouldn't you? You wouldn't be able to get it on. You need a double dagger to get it on. And was. So your mummy became a... Oh, yes, I, there was no problem then. Yeah. No, that's just and that must have eased your heart as well. Oh, yes, but as I said, uh, as you say, things soften very quickly. You're mm. still family. Mm. And that's important, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Important that your children have their mm. grannies on both sides. Yes, and, and things like that. that. Granda on both mm-hmm. sides. Mm-hmm. Well, my mm-hmm. well, father was dead at that time. He died in 19... He died just before Andrea was born in 1972. So he died almost, was it the year after your... Just after I was married, yeah, the year yeah. after I was married. Just thinking here now, lots of bombings, lots of raids in Superfair. How long did you stay in that job? Oh, Superfair, <laughs> I must have been there for well over 20 years. My oh, God. I liked it. It was a good shop, a very good shop. You would wonder, like, during the Troubles, like, if um, the shop would have had difficulties. Hmm. But they, they didn't. Everybody came into their work. Mm. Nobody really and people came in, they obviously must have come in the shop. It was a very, very busy shop in the end days. Very busy. And the off license that you the had? The off license was very busy. Mm-hmm. You also got a lot of Donegal trade, you see, because the booze was cheaper up here and it was a good shop. Like We, mm-hmm. we were very, very busy. She stayed in for 20 years. So oh, at least I, I, I left. 1990s then? I left when Frank Long took over. 
Yeah. Because had John looked out for our licenses and that concerns who I wasn't going to be in the same position as I would have been. So I left then. I tried to get a place of my own for about a year, but it didn't work out. So then I worked out with, um, I went out to the Three Mile House. There was a wee off license there. And um, Damien Villa was employed me. I don't know how I managed to get there or how I got the job, but I worked there for about a year. And we had a good wee off license there too. And Damien was very good to me. And then Garvin came along or somebody came along to say that he was looking for somebody for the off license. So that's when I joined Garvin and Doris. You worked for Garvin? I worked for Garvin now for about 20 years, so I've just retired this last couple of years. Yeah. And that is yeah. the A-Chill, is it? That's A-Chill now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as the 70s rolled into the 80s, I think of some of the things that happened in the context of the Troubles, like 81 is a hunger strike. And the, I guess Northern Ireland, maybe you could even say Ireland was in turmoil. Oh yeah. Um, mm. Was that? Uh, well, as I say, everything happened somehow gradually. You know, you knew all these things were going on. Like you were still going through the town. Like you just walked through riots, put your hand up, as <laughs> if they say, "Get on, I'm on a boys the way." And you know, when you get through, during a hunger strike and times like that, like it. Uh, you still went to your work and you still had to get on with things. Mm. As I say, I'm not really sure if my story is important enough for what you did mm. <laughs> in comparison to other people's. But some people would, would say, you know, if they, if they were describing to me witnessing two people being blown up, they might mm. say, and that has troubled me ever since. Oh, you would think about it at a, a very odd time, like, but like it's not something that I've dwell on. Yeah. You can't, uh, you know, well, it's not just that. You've seen people almost getting shot and there were shootings going on all the time down there. I remember seeing soldiers at the bottom of the wheel. see something threw over a half brick and landed in his head. He just went flapping out, you know. You've seen plenty of wee things like that that happened, but yeah. it was, the trouble's just not And did, did, did you, you, uh, get, you get stopped and coming back from, say, Belfast in the middle of the night or, say, at the airport late at night in the Glencian Pass, you get stopped by the army or... Did you tell me one time about being stopped and using yeah. your surname? Uh, <laughs> no, he looked at my licence. He says, you have your brother at Jim's? I says, I says, go ahead. That's <laughs> great. Because Jim was well-known and... Well, I don't, I, I don't know if it would be that well-known, but, like, it's a small country, <laughs> if you know what I mean, if yeah. these buzz, this book that came from anywhere around the yeah. town. I don't know who he was at the moment. One of the things that um, I've been asking people is, so often people have fairly tough, harsh, horrific experiences. So they they would tell and talk about those. uh, And then I would maybe say, well, what do you think helped you to get through all of that? And I was putting it to you there a wee bit earlier, that there's something in you as a human being. I mean... A number of times we have had it. I wouldn't think of anything special. <laughs> no. There's a great sense of humour about you. That's one. Ah, well, humour gets humour is important in life anyway, no matter what. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I would like to think of a sense of humour. My sense of you and Delma is is, is a very strong partnership. 
Oh yeah. yeah. So, so a sense of that being at the, yes, at the well, core of us. We'd have our own argument. In fact, there's one brilliant tonight. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, so and I, I also have a sense that family yeah. is deeply important. You know, just uh, when you showed me all those pictures out there. Oh, I, yes, very much so. And mm-hmm. I remember as well, God bless her. Yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a problem one time with Peter. Peter we, Peter went out to Hollybush School, the same with all our children went, went to Hollybush. And at, at one stage, once he was leaving that school to go to the bigger school, the secondary school, they were going to put him up into, um, but it wasn't St. Joseph's, it was what was the other school up in Craigan? St. Peter's. St. Peter's. And I didn't want them to go to St. Peter's. Why was that? Because, well, it was just a troublesome school as, as far as I knew at the time. Yeah. And the boys, and the younger boys, now I said, I the off license, but you know, you know, I wouldn't go up there. Like, So I went up to Foyle because I used to go to Foyle and uh, asked them would they accept them. And they said yes, but like the education board has to accept them. And they said, St. Peter's or something. And I said, well, no, he's not. And I had to go up and I don't know how many weeks I reported every morning to them until eventually they let them in. So you it wasn't foil that was stopping them going on, it was the education board. So you, you campaigned almost yeah. to, to get yeah. them in? Mm-hmm. Was that going up to... I Britain? just had to go up and report every morning for some reason or other. Uh, Peter would have come up initially for about the first week and then the headmaster, he was very nice, I thought at the time. But he says, oh, don't bother bringing the boy up because it's not fair, you know. But I kept on going then eventually. Education board must have relented, and he got on there. Because mm. he had, uh, he would have had a few problems there too, because it was a bad time, like to be a Catholic at Foyle. There was a lot, a lot more of them there now. I don't know how bad he didn't seem to worry him. You know, mm. we had good friends there. As a matter of fact, he still had his friend there who was his best man at his wedding, and was still coming here regularly. Mm. Who's from the Protestant community? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that strikes me as. The almost the ideal if we could manage to. Yeah. I always think things aren't as bad in that relationship as a lot of people think they are. Or outsiders would think it that they would be. You know, like a, I don't think it's there's always that uh, generosity or whatever you like to call it between the two communities in Derry anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you not think so? I see. I see both things. Mm-hmm. I see uh, without naming. I see mm-hmm. difficulties and. People keeping themselves separate and suspicion and doubt, mistrust, and I also see great generosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're just coming for from a meeting where half the number of the people that were in the room are from are from the Protestant community. But there's great crack. Mm. There was great. I, I never thought. I would never a thought of mistrust. You know, from that point of view. Mm. I would never. It wouldn't enter my head. Really. You, you know. So you. <coughs> You know, it occurred to me. Asked you, you converted to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. It was that something. Did you just let it go then? Oh no, I was still going to mass. I don't go to mass much now, but initially I would have done, yeah. And that mm-hmm. mattered to you in your heart and your being. The, it wasn't just a performance for Delma or for Delma's family. It was something uh, that was. No, once I decided to do the thing. You were conscientious, uh, conscientious about, about it. Yeah. A big degree. I wouldn't have think for one minute that I was over religious or anything like that. Either a Protestant or a Catholic. Like <laughs> 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 I would, I, 
the people. I, I thought initially, anyway, why I did change was because you automatically think that, or if you thought at that time, anyway, you're going to have a family, and that it would have been better, like if they were both brought up in the one religion, where they, it wasn't complicated for them. Mm. I suppose, which it could have been like things have changed now, and things are a lot better to me anyway, where people don't seem to worry too much about that. Mm. This is. At least I think they don't seem to worry too much about it now. It's just a good thing. And you know, the, your contemporaries, the people you went to school with, and you mentioned Foil. What was your primary school before Foil? Oh, it was Clinic Primary School. Which is gone now? Oh, yes, it's, long a long? Sheik, it's a Sikh temple now. Was there a journey where they also showed generosity? They were happy for you and uh, happy that, yeah, you find a woman, you find a. Well, the, the Clooney School. No, the the people who you you know your peer group, uh, both at Clooney and oh, Oil. well, you were drifting apart anyway at that stage because we were all getting married. If you know what I mean, yeah. they were getting married as well. So um, there might have been a wee bit of talk about it, I suppose, at the time and that night. Nice yes, maybe things grew apart a bit. But as a matter of fact, that that long ago was just about when me up my mother used to run around. He lives in Scotland now, and he's coming over here, so we're all getting together just after Easter. Ah, that's lovely. Although a few uh, a couple of months ago, I was out with other mates out in their house, and we were having a bit of a night, you know, a few drinks and a normal chat. Yeah, and you know, great. Ah. They're still your mates. Yeah. You don't have mates after your secondary school kind of thing. You maybe have acquaintances, but like you don't have mates like you had when you were between the ages of, say, 16 and 20 or whatever. Or, you know. There's like a core group of friends. Uh, your core group of friends, which you would call your mates. And become friends, our friends. And still like always, no, they'll still always be your mates. Like, mm. you know, you mightn't see them for years or anything like that, but you still know mm. who you are. Know? Mm. But like by the time you get married and you have things, your family and stuff like that, your, your situation changes. Yeah. I know that I, I had the privilege of being here for Amy's wake. Mm-hmm. I was here briefly and I know I wasn't able to go to the funeral. But, you know, one of the, the pictures I have in my mind was that you and, and Delma's mum become very close. And Ah, yeah. Well, she lived with us for years. Like, yeah. So... Like she, she was very good to me. Mm. Had me done or something at the table, no bother. And she was like, and also, I mean, I, I imagine you were also very good. Well, to her. I suppose so. I, uh, you know, uh, she would need to tell you that. It's uh, too late. Nigel, <laughs> <laughs> just if we wrap up, then is there anything? That you'd want to say as you look back. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of some of what you said there. What comes to mind right now is the, there's a guardian angel looking after me. I'm thinking of the northern counties, so you rush because you think of bombs in Foyle Street, mm-hmm. and then the, the bomb goes off in Custom House Street. That place is wrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, guardian angel looking after me. Mm-hmm. Or you rush out of Superfair and uh, there's a bomb where the two lads were. Two young fellas, maybe teenagers, were killed. Mm. When you look back at that, and, you, and maybe there's an example to all of us that you from from your Protestant upbringing, uh, Mary Delma, mm-hmm. and and you, you know, my my sense is that you have managed to have a, a strong, powerful, loving relationship. Oh yes, and there are tons of good friends, and 
they've got a well a happy life yeah I suppose you can't be happy all the time but like I know I'm like I've been happy enough yeah. yeah and I look around here and I think back to when we met in uh, in the Primrose mm-hmm. and how much I enjoyed the conversation and the crack and that capacity I imagine if I meet Nigel I'm probably going to laugh you know if I'm there <laughs> an hour I might laugh five or six times and very loud as well and hearty um but as we finish this then, is there anything you want to say as you look back towards those years? Glad it's over. Just, that I wouldn't I wouldn't <coughs> I wouldn't like to have to go through it again, let's put it that way. And I'm glad now for the people that are living that okay, there's still problems with between still the two communities, but it's a hell of a lot better than people getting killed. You said that with some emphasis now, I'm mm. glad it's over. Yeah. You just get on with life. Like, I've been lucky in life, to be honest. As I say, there's been people that have suffered a hell of a lot more than I have in the troubles. And there are people that have... Where people have been killed. And, you know, that's a hell of a lot more to take. Like, I don't know if I could have taken very easily any of my family being killed. There's a thousand reasons you could come up with, but it's all just part of your daily life. Hmm. It's just that during our daily life country was in trouble mm. that's all and now in our daily life as you come out of Mount Pleasant and maybe yeah. walk down the street things are much you do, you more don't, you're not looking behind you you're not looking to see if uh, in the car if anything you know you got so alert during the troubles weren't you mm. vigilant ah, vigilant is the right mm. word yeah mm. of things like if you were stuck in a police jeep when you were going up a strand road or something, you said, fucking like, get a hey, hey, like, you know, kiss, somebody, kiss on the other shot or anything at them, you wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, there's so many small things that, for some reason in my mind, your children have suddenly come in your mind. You know, I would, uh, I'd imagine you, the very loving daddy, um, and so your children are growing up through this. Yes. That's that you had to protect, really, yeah. the best you could. You know, none of them, none of the three children live here. No, not now. Peter's in America and uh, Andrea's in England and Latasha's in Australia. But it it hadn't anything to do with troubles then moving away at all. Just that's the way life took them, I suppose. That there were opportunities. I I don't think think Peter went to America and tell them they lived there, but that's just the way it happened. Andrea or Latash, Andrea went over to England to go to college and then got a job teaching, so that's how she stayed there. Latash maybe might be just a buddy a wanderer. <laughs> She's went to Australia. And all those places then I, I become think a lot, of, a lot of children here really maybe don't see a future sometimes. From the point of view of work, I would say mostly, and you know, getting decent jobs, I suppose. I say that's still the big problem in the country. And it is sinful, you know. Because then there's... Like, a I would like somebody here to cut me bloody grass and all, and they're all right. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, you miss them. Ah, you miss them, sure. Miss an episode of the Highwell Trust or Highwell Testimonies podcast? Well, thanks to our on-demand service on SoundCloud.com and Apple Podcasts, you can catch up on all of our previous episodes, including the Caroline Brown testimony. And he was on the right-hand side of the street. Now, this foot patrol's coming, but I'm walking, but 
he makes his way up on the right hand side of the street that is sort of we're level together and he turns round and he goes it's not be long he says until you and I he says will be walking down the street together hand in hand the Civic Activism Podcast with a theme, a city with young people in mind. The percentage of 100 young people who wanted to leave was 95. So 95 out of 100 young people did not see their future in Derry and did not intend to come back, which means that for your generation, <laughs> there's not going to be anybody left. And for those that are here, there won't be a voice to speak on your behalf. Or our first testimonies podcast, an interview with Seamus Heaney. All of that kind of made me feel a desire for, I don't know if I would call it now revenge, although I think an element of it was revenge. Uh, I think a big part of it was just the need to see some form of justice, some kind of atonement for what had been done to me as an individual, to my family and to what I would see as our community, our society. Just go to soundcloud.com and search for Hollywell Trust or go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and search for Hollywell Trust. Nigel, thanks so much for sharing from your story. Once again, I'd like to thank our funders, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council and the Community Relations Council. You can listen to Nigel and download this podcast and every episode from our soundcloud.com page and on iTunes. You can search for Hollywood Trust Podcast. Our next episode will feature James King, Eamon O'Donnell. Thank you for listening and see you again soon. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages on Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust, and on Twitter, it's at Hollywell T.